This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're here at Marshall University. We're at the Student Center where Marshall University is holding a press conference for National Signing Day. We just wrapped up with Coach Huff a few minutes ago, and we're going to hear that here in just a few minutes as soon as we've got that ready back at the radio station. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Our text line this hour is 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. So we appreciate Marshall University for giving us an opportunity to do the show live from campus today as uh, this event is still going on. Uh, We won't have it today because they're still doing it at this moment, but uh, we're going to have some of the player interviews coming up tomorrow, Uh, basically brief questions about themselves Uh, we'll get more in depth with them here as we progress in the weeks and months ahead all right here we go with the text line again 304-396-TALK 304-396-8255 and I've just got the good word that we've got Marshall University head coach Charles Huff's presser so let's go to that and get his thoughts on everything from NIL to closing the gap, to, of course, the incoming players and the recruiting process. So here's Marshall University head coach Charles Huff addressing the media. But good to see everybody. Um, welcome back. A really exciting day uh, for us. It's kind of a, a combination of two days. Obviously, we have the early signing day, and then I get hit uh, with all the questions of, you know, who are the transfers, when are they coming, um, and we got to kind of let them get in and get in class and kind of get um, official before we can kind of announce them. And then we get the opportunity today to add them um, to the rest of the class. So really excited about these young men that we're adding. Um, I think when you get a chance to get to know them, uh, one, their character is going to stick out, um, the type of young men they are, the competitive um, energy and character that they display, not only on the field, um, but also um, in the classroom and in the community. Um, I think a lot of these guys will fit um, what we would describe as a Marshall football player. Um, And when you kind of get to know them individually, um, they kind of fit Huntington and and, and everything that embodies this university and this community. Um, Some of them are from um, near and some of them are from far. Um, They've got a lot of unique backgrounds. I think just one thing about college football, especially now in the new age with the transfer portal um, and NIL and that world that we're living in, um, there's a lot more stories that you'll be able to kind of write and kind of get to know these guys um, individually throughout their time here. So I uh, was able to bring in 25 guys a total. Um, that number used to be 25 high school guys, and we all get excited about their high school huddle films, but that number now has shifted a little bit. We ended up bringing in 12 high school guys, 13 uh, transfer portal guys. Um, if you guys remember last year, the number was a little bit higher. Um, We've kind of got a model of kind of when we take heavy amount of transfers versus heavy amount of high school guys to try to try to balance our roster. Um, I think that's the important part with this transfer portal. You can get kind of um, transfer heavy, and then all of a sudden you get very um, unbalanced in your roster. So in order for us to keep depth across the board and be able to sustain consistency um, throughout, we want to have a balance, and that's what we were able to do. Um, We still believe in recruiting the high school athlete. Uh, We just have to be able to adapt to the times. You know, you either adapt or you die. Um, The transfer portal is here. It's alive. Uh, My opinion or your opinion on what it should or shouldn't be does not matter. 
Um, all we know is it's here. Um, there's a lot of positives that come out of the transfer portal. We can think over our time here. Um, there's a lot of guys that have come and played for us that came via the transfer portal. There's a lot of guys that have come and played for us and are still playing for us via the high school rank. So I think it's a really um, unique situation. We've got to do a really good job of balancing it. I think we've done that, um, and we'll continue to do that. Um, these young men you'll get a chance to speak to today uh, went through the recruiting process the right way. They vetted their options. They talked to different coaches. And I think when you talk to them, you'll kind of hear the same resounding uh, message that, you know, this place felt like home. The coaches made them feel like they were important here. Um, they saw opportunity. Um, and that just not only speaks for me, but the coaching staff, but this community. Uh, when, when fans and recruits and prospects come, um, this community does a really good job of making them feel at home. So we're all in this together. Um, these young men will help us continue to close the gap um, as we've been doing. Um, we're really excited to get them going here in the fourth quarter program in about a week and then in the spring ball and then obviously with ending with the spring game before we head into the summer. So uh, with that, I'll open up for questions. What did you learn in the process last year that helped you this year maximize what I think you got to keep, you got to have balance, you know, and, and you can look at high school film and then you turn around and look at a transfer and um, the surface level eye would be, oh, wow, this player has played, you know, a year or two years in college, so we want this player, um, you know, this high school player, he's going to take time to develop. But I think you've got you to have balance, and I think the way you do that is kind of staying consistent across the board with how many at each position you plan to take. Um, the other part of it is you've got to continue to recruit high school because sometimes it's a lot easier to just say, well, we'll go to one or two high schools that always have players and get their players. But you got to continue to uh, comb through the country, you know, in your areas as position coaches um, nationally. You know, I think uh, recruiting has gone a lot more national, although we have a kind of a radius that we stay in. It's still a little more national than it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So I think you got to stay consistent to your, to your plan. Well, because you guys beat me up for offense, so I figured if I get all defensive guys and they let me, you know, maybe I do coach the defense too. But um, I think again, you know, replacing the the areas that we that we lost some guys that's a, that's a big piece of it. Um, depth is a huge piece of it. Um, offensively, we were a lot younger last year, um, not necessarily younger as in freshman sophomore, but just younger in guys who had not played. And when you throw in the COVID class. We had some older guys on paper, but we had a lot of guys on offense that hadn't played a lot. You know, you think about Cam Fancher, who ended the season. He really hadn't played a lot, but this, that was his third year in college um, going into it. So um, young, as in playing experience, but old, as in being, being around for a while. Um, so for us, um, offensively, we've got some pieces in place. Last year, we took a heavy number of offensive guys. Um, those guys got a chance to develop all year, which will be good for them moving forward. Um, defensively, we lost some pieces, um, not necessarily um, graduating a ton of starters, but we lost a lot of depth and backing guys, so we had to fill that. Um, and then ultimately, competition is, is the, you know, the, the greatest teacher and greatest motivator. So I'd rather have three superstars at one position and make them compete. At the end of the day, they're going to get better, we're going to get better. And I think what we've done is we've created a lot of flexibility, created a lot of competition and depth. Coach, what's your philosophy on when kids come, whether they're portal guys or they're high school kids, uh, just say, you can get on the field right away, you just got to work, right? I mean, now, is it, does that balance it out even more to whoever the best man is playing? I think, again, when you have competition, it's easier to, to say, hey, if you're the best player, you'll play. Because usually what happens is everybody sees that, hey, he's better than me right now. 
um, or he's performing more consistent than me is kind of what you usually see. Um, the issue comes when you have no depth and you have to play a guy just because he's the best player in the room. Well, that doesn't necessarily make him the best player for the team. Um, so when you have competition, all these guys love to compete. Uh, and I think actually the more competition you have, um, the easier it is for guys to say, you know what, I've got to beat him out and he's doing really well and I got to do really well. Um, I learned that at the University of Alabama. You know, every day you go to practice, you, you got to compete to play. Um, there's no handouts, there's no gimmies, there's no, well, I've been here two years, so I have to be the starter. Um, and I think that's what we've created a little bit here. Um, and ultimately, they all want to see everybody have success, but the way to do that is to make sure everybody's at their best. You know, it's obviously Lance Gibbs, Josh Gibbs, you guys attacked the transfer portal, getting these defensive guys. What challenges, if any, uh, were presented during that time? Well, again, I, I don't think um, I think kids are attracted to a culture. And obviously, you know, coaches are very important. Don't get me wrong. Lance Gidry did a heck of a job for us uh, for the two years he was here and for him and his family to be able to go back home. Um, I, I can't say that I wanted him to go, but I can't say that, you know, he's making a bad decision. But again, I think players um, attract to a culture. Um, I try to do a really good job as a head coach of being involved in all the recruits. Um, so that not one coach or one side of the ball is so connected to a young man that if that person leaves or whatever, that that person, that recruit doesn't feel like he knows someone else on the staff. Um, you know, the, the, the Alabama way is they change coaches every year. Um, and Coach Saban has found a way to continuously um, get kids to come there. And I think, again, we're attracting them to the culture. We're attracting them to the resources. We're attracting them to um, the core values that are going to make them successful. The coaches and the people that are a part of it are just a piece of it. Um, I think all of these guys trust me that I'm going to hire a very good coordinator and very good position coaches. Um, I met with the leadership committee, and we kind of joked because when I first got here, they all begged me to keep the D.C. and the D-line coach and the defensive staff that was here. And I said, okay, well, trust me. All right, we hired Lance. We hired the defensive staff. And now they're all like, well, coach, we'd like to have, you know, Lance back. Well, we did this again last two years ago, guys. So, again, I think, again, anytime you have um, – really good people. They develop really good relationships. Um, and like you guys, you know, probably cried when Grant left the HD and, you know, it hurt a lot of people. But you guys were able to kind of, you know, probably improve uh, when he left. But no, when, when good people leave, uh, when good people leave the program, obviously it leaves some, some, some hurt feelings because of the connections you make. Um, but I think as the leader of the organization, um, I've got to be able to show consistency in the type of people I hire so that the players ultimately end up trusting me. Um, and I told the defense, as, as, you know, as great as I thought Lance was, ultimately it's them. It's their defense. You know, it's, their, it's their culture. It's what they do. Um, you know, if they get drafted by the San Francisco 49ers, they can't tell you know, who to be the D.C. You know, They've got to go out and play. And I think now where we are in college football, where we are in, in society in general, kids understand, hey, we're really in control of this team in this you know, situation. So um, we will select a coordinator. We, we have a guy in mind. We're trying to make sure we do it the right way because there's other schools involved with signing day and, and making sure that we do it the right way. Um, I do have a plan. I know sometimes on third down you guys don't think I do. But we do have a plan. And, and as I told you guys with the transfers, we will let you guys know so that you guys can uh, write the stories um, but again, it, it's about 
quality people. Um, it's about people that fit Marshall um, because obviously you don't want to bring anybody in that doesn't fit this community, this university, and our culture. Um, but I am excited about the candidate, and uh, when you guys get a chance to meet him, I think you'll be excited. It's it's combination. I don't know yet because it, it comes down to a lot of things. Resources, right? You know, you got to you know resources come into play, families come into play. Um, some candidates in house are are possibility. Um, as we vet through the list and kind of narrow it down to the final guy, it'll kind of come with all of those things, right? Resources, families that move, you know, people have kids in school, those type of decisions. Um, so probably, I would say by this time next week, we'll know, you know, but it's kind of a checklist, right? This option, this option, this option. Uh, we kind of paused it for uh, Marshall Day at the governor's at the uh, uh, Capitol today and signing day, so we'll be able to finish it next couple of days. Billy's going to continue to be the O-line coach. Um, Billy Gonzalez will come in and be our tight end coach. Um, obviously, Bill Leg took over kind of midway. Bill Leg's background has been kind of uh, O-line for a long time. Um, I try to hire people that have flexibility, right? You're, you're, you're at a place like Marshall where you've got to maximize your resources. You can't just say, hey, we're at you know, Ohio State where we're going to pay the top dollar for this guy to do this job. I think you got to have flexibility. You know, turnover and change is a part of what you deal with at the Group of Five level. I would imagine that every team at the Group of Five level, so for example, I talked to Sean Clark um, over the break, and I've become good friends just because he's here, you know, from the Charleston area. Um, he's had four offensive coordinators in four years. That's what happens at the Group of Five level. When you're good, people move on and get opportunities. That's the beauty of uh, what we do, just like players, right? When they play well, they move on and get other opportunities at the next level. So um, this level is a level that you got to be ready to, to kind of flex and pivot. Um, so Bill Lay will kind of just stay in place. Billy Gonzalez, who is, you know, background-wise is a receiver coach. He's done some running backs. Um, but, again, a lot of the tight end stuff is a combination of receiver and O-line. So, you know, you have Bill Leg and Billy Gonzalez, um, who ultimately can combo the – you know, the tight end position. I think Coach Gonzalez is going to give us a lot of experience. Uh, you're talking about a guy who's won two national championships. I won one. He's won two. Uh, he may know more than me. Um, a guy that's recruited at a really high level, uh, a guy that's developed players at a really high level. It doesn't matter what position. If you can develop a player, you can develop a player. That's finding out the player's weaknesses, developing a relationship with the player, and getting him motivated to improve. Um, that's what development is, and I think Coach Gonzalez has done a really good job of that. He's going to bring a wealth of knowledge for me. Um, he's been around a lot of really good head coaches. Um, he's coaching a lot of really good leagues, um, so really excited to have him on board uh, as well. You guys have obviously had a history of this your second full recruiting cycle um, here at Marshall. Um, has that made the, the process easier as far as routine goes um, to get through the recruiting I don't know if it's ever easier because, I mean, this NIL deal is real, um, and, and it's not used for recruiting. Okay, let me say that. Where's Tuttle? Okay, it's not used for recruiting, but what it is used is, is, is what is your community selling to these young men? How can they create value in our dynamic? So we're really competing community versus community. Well, there are some other schools that are in a little different community. I won't say better because I think, you know, what we have here is really good. But some other schools are in a different community, and they're at different levels of maximizing the NIL opportunities. So when we bring young men in and we present the opportunities that they can make, obviously they're comparing those to other opportunities. So I don't know if it makes the recruiting part of it easier, 
what it does is, is it makes you continue to work at it. I think at the end of the day, hard work, um, I, I kind of pride myself on trying to outwork people. You know what I mean? So I'm texting, calling, trying to get to know these guys consistently. Um, you know, putting coaches in position to develop really good relationships. And then ultimately just being yourself. Like, you're not going to play for Coach Huff if you don't like hard work. And I don't care. We're going to work hard. And ultimately, that's what's going to make us successful. And the kids that like that come here. The kids that don't, they don't. And that's okay. The Marshall's not for everybody. Um, But I think when you're authentic and you're real, and you tell the kid, you sit them down, hey, look, don't come here if you don't want to work hard. Don't come here if you don't want to do things right. Don't come here if you don't want to win. If you do those things, I can guarantee you that you'll have an opportunity to create value for yourself. Now, how much value? Well, that's up to you. How hard do you work? And I think what has happened is our locker room kind of echoes that when they actually get around our guys. And you know what? Ultimately, competitors like to compete. Doesn't matter the size of the logo. Doesn't matter the size of the stadium. Competitors like to compete. You know, we, we, we got Nas Johnson's going to play in the Super Bowl in some, some odd days. Well, Nas Johnson played at Marshall. Now, there's going to be some guys on that field that played at big schools wherever, but Nas Johnson played at Marshall, came here, maximized the opportunity, created value for himself. Now he's doing it on the biggest stage. So I think when guys see that, guys see a pathway to that, um, you, you got an opportunity to recruit some really good young men. I mean, not to put you on the spot, but because uh, JJ's a local kid and, and obviously playing at a high level, how important is it for you to reach out to those guys, have a guy like him who's been in the battles and also, you know, wanted to be here? How important is it to get We don't reach out to the guys. We wait until they officially enter the portal, and then we do things. Yeah, you know. Um, no, I, I think it's, it's really good. You know, I think any time a young man is willing to come back home, it says two things. It says, one, his experience here before he left was good. And it says what he sees from afar that's going on here now is good. Um, J.J.'s one of the young men. He had a lot of options. You know, when you go to Wake Forest and those type of schools, academically you put yourself in a whole other realm. Um, so he could have went to another academic school. He could have went, you know, all across the country. Um, but for him to want to come back, that says a lot about him as a person. It says a lot about his family. Um, and it says he sees an opportunity here. And that ultimately is all you can ask for in life. So him being able to come back, I think, again, that shows, you know, he's another young man that's going to be on the team that's from here. I think Owen Porter's probably another young man that's from here that's really maximizing his opportunity in this community. Um, JJ's going to have an opportunity to do the same thing. You flip it around. We've got some um, kind of herd legacies that are, that are on the team now that, that are going to have an opportunity not only to kind of play where they're father played but kind of engraved their own lane you know and that's that's another good thing you know they not only do they I mean they've been getting hit with the Marshall 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 for life you know JJ grew up in section his parents were telling me like section 102 he's got a picture of like a Marshall shirt um, him and his friends at a game Um, if that experience wasn't good he wouldn't have came back you know so everything matters and I know Sometimes we don't think so, but everything matters, man. When you go to the gas station, what people say to you matters. When you grow up here and you're five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, what people say about Marshall matters. When your parents play here and you grow up with the Marshall love and love, it matters. Um, so we try to make sure that the experience for everybody, because you never know. Um, you never know when that young man sitting in Section 103 is going to come back and make some big plays for us. So. All right, Coach, you mentioned in the past about closing the gas. Does this recruitment class close that gap? Yeah, I don't know if it does um, because we got to play the game, and I think the gap is not just players. Now, that's a big part of it. Don't get me wrong. 
Um, but the gap is everything, resources, right? How many trainers do we have? Do we have training tables? Do we have a nutritionist? Are we able to keep the guys healthy? Are we able to pay the staff so that when opportunities come, we can be competitive? Um, are we able to fill the stadium? You know what I mean? Are we able to be active in the NIL lane for the guys that are here so that they can you know, maximize their opportunities? So the gap is not just players. Now, the gap is coaching too, right? We've got to make the right call on third down. We've got to have a good plan. Um, but this is a big piece of it because at the end of the day, um, the players on the field make a huge piece. But we've got to do some things and continue to do some things uh, resource-wise. And we have. We're not there yet, but we've got to continue to do some things resource-wise so that when that player steps on the field, he is the most resource player in the conference. When that happens, then the gap will be closed, and then we'll be chasing the next gap. And for you know, where we're going with the college football playoffs, you don't get into the college football playoffs. It's not a lottery system where they just – you know, they roll a big ball, and then Marshall's in. That's not how it happens. You've got to play your way in. And you've got to play your way in for two or three years. You take the Cincinnati model, right? You can't just have a good season. So these young men are going to help us make strides toward that, towards that, but we've got to continue as a university, as a community, to close it as well. It kind of goes together, if that makes sense. Last question. How crucial is that when you're introducing 25 new players to get them used to the Marshall way? Yeah, I think, you know, when you look back on it, it, it's probably the most critical piece of the entire organization. So you look back to when we first got here, the first year. We didn't get a full fourth quarter program because of COVID. So we had, you know, you, you go two weeks and you have to stop. Or you get a COVID breakout and you have to shut down for 10 days. Or you can't work out in groups of more than 10. All right, and we won seven games. At the end of that season, we wore down pretty good. Well, we come back full calendar year. We get a full fourth quarter program every day. All the workouts, all the drills, all the extra meeting time, all of those things, and the result was a lot different. So I think, again, it's the most important part of the entire phase that we have, obviously because it sets the foundation, especially when you're introducing 25 new guys. And these guys, all of them should be contributing some way, somehow, to the level of their building. So, again, for them to have a good foundation set in what it takes how we do things, what it takes to physically and mentally be ready to play, springboards us into the spring, which springboards us into the summer and the season. All right. Thank you, Coach Good. Thank you, guys. Look forward to seeing you guys at the event inside. Appreciate all you do. Uh, welcome back. Excited to get this season going. Uh, go hurt. There you have it, Coach Huff, his comments. When we continue, we're here at the Student Center. I'm Paul Swan. I've got with me, when we come back from break, the – Award-winning reporter from the Herald-Dispatch and HD Media, Luke Creasy, when we continue. Award-winning. This is too much flag for one broadcast. Award-winning, Luke Creasy, when we continue on this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to the Wednesday, February 1st edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. We're here today at the Marshall University Student Center. We are broadcasting live from National Signing Day, an event that just wrapped up a few minutes ago. You heard Coach Huff's presser. Uh, we're going to hear throughout the week player reaction to being at Marshall. Looking forward to that. Someone who was on hand for those player introductions and give us a little more of a, a first-hand view of what happened is National Sports Media Association 2022 <laughs> Sports Writer of the Year, Luke Creasy. My, my title keeps getting longer. We're going to add to that hopefully in the years to come. Uh, hey, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, and afterwards it'll be two-time sports, uh, sports writer of the year, sports 
three time, <laughs> something like that. But, uh, Luke is with us, and of course, for those of you who don't know, uh, Luke is the recipient of the 2022 National Sports Media Association Sports Writer of the Year. That is an award that was voted on by his peers. I know a voter. I know a guy who voted for you. I'm not going to tell any, I'm not going to tell you that that guy is, but I know I, I know at least one person who voted for you, Luke. I, I mean, just, I mean, a couple had to. Yeah, a couple had to. I know one guy did it. I, I know one who did too. Yeah, you know one that did too. Yeah, I, I know. I know a guy. Actually, I, I know. I know two people who voted for you. I, how about that? There you go. There you go. I, I, I know two people. Um, Luke, well, thank you to all of those who did. If you yeah, can hear this, right? Um, and they're listening. Yeah, <laughs> at least one. At least no. Both are listening. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Kay. Both are listening. Okay, I can tell you that for certain. The signing class, little mix of high school kids yep. and a little mix of transfer portal. Uh, you didn't really get to spend too much time with some of these players only because uh, they've got an event to go to. I think the person of most interest will be J.J. Roberts. And, of course, uh, just to clarify, he's a Hurricane kid. Yeah. But he played at Cabell Midland. Mm-hmm. And he not went, too far of a drive. Yeah, not too far of a drive. And he went to Wake Forest, and now he's back. And I'm sure he's going to get a lot of the attention just because of the local ties. Yeah, yeah, um, you know, undoubtedly. Um, but uh, JJ, you know, beyond just being a local kid, is a good football player. Um, you know, he went down to Wake Forest, and uh, you know, of course, made a name for himself down there, and you know, played for three seasons. Um, you know, and really, you know, had a chance to come home. And and one thing that that Coach Huff mentioned in in his press conference, which you guys just heard. Um, you know, obviously his experience around here wasn't too bad if he wanted to come back. Um, and so I think, you know, it, it's different for, you know, for a guy like JJ um, to come back and, and play for the team you grew up watching. Um, and I think another guy that falls into that category is Jaden Yates, um, of course, the son of Max Yates, um, who had a great career here at Marshall. And, um, you know, and Jaden's uh, just really excited to follow in those footsteps and, and kind of carve his own path. Um yeah, I think you know when when you look at um, some of the success that local players have had here before. You know, obviously Logan Osborne um, from the same high school started on the offensive line um, last year at center. Um, Owen Porter, the local kid at Spring Valley, he probably went head to head to head with JJ um, a, a couple times in high school. Um, I, I think their years lined up there at Cabellman in the Spring Valley, and we know those are heated rivalries. Um, and so I, I think that, uh, that there was just enough local ties and just enough excitement around the program um, you know, to warrant him coming back. When you went through the interviews, and Rich, really, they were just maybe a minute and a half, two minutes. Yeah, it's like speed dating. Yeah, okay. That's a good way to <laughs> describe it. So when you were going through the speed dating here, uh-huh. as you saw the air quotes, who stood out to you? I mean, and now, of course, we won't know anything about these kids until they're actually in yeah. the system on the field. But just as a person or a personality, who stood out to you? As far as, um, you know, just general, uh, you know, first impressions, you know, we'll, we'll stick with the speed dating tactic. Um, you know, I don't – I'll call him CK, Abobi. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his first name. Um, but, uh, you know, he's from, he's from London um, and, you know, had – was rated the number one offensive lineman in Europe, but has only played football for two years. Um, you know, had no football experience uh, going into uh, Laney College. And then, um, you know, it, it reminds me a lot of the, the pathway that Jordan Mulata 
um, who is starting on the Eagles' offensive line, of course, there in the Super Bowl. A little shameless plug there. Um, but, uh, you know, Malata didn't have experience before being drafted in the NFL. Uh, he had rugby experience. So, so he knew the, the physical element, you know, had that down, um, but uh, didn't uh, just didn't play football. Um, but but this is a, um, a kid in C.K. Abobi who uh, I think really has um, the intangibles that you look for. Um, when you're talking about an offensive lineman, I mean, 6'5", 310, um, has the body to do it. I think he'll be fun to watch. Luke Soto, a transfer from UTEP, um, he, he's going to be fun to watch. I think uh, one of the media representatives called him Owen Porter 2.0. Uh, he walked in with a big belt buckle, uh, cowboy boots. <laughs> okay. He lettered in a rodeo in high school. Um, so, I, I mean, as a tight end, that, that's a good blocking scheme if you can lasso somebody in. That seems like a tight end personality. <laughs> you, you have to letter yeah. in rodeo yeah. and wear belt buckles to be a tight end. Yeah, and, and then the other guy who really impressed me um, today uh, just looks like a football player um, is is Mark Vecic. Vicic? I don't um, – I, I t- I'm probably not pronouncing that wrong, so sorry, Mark. But You work in newspapers, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> um, transfer from Southeastern University. He was the Defensive Player of the Year in the Sun Conference, not the Sun Belt Conference, but the Sun Conference. Uh, and he's uh, also a two-time linebacker of the year. Um, and he just looks the part. Six foot, 225. Um, this is a very defensive-heavy signing class. Uh, 17 of the 25 are on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and 13 of the 25 are transfers. So a, a nice mix of um, you know transfer versus high school talent um, in that aspect of things, but very heavy on the defensive side. And I think um, you know you heard Coach Huff talk about that too. Um, they were offensive heavy last year and, and had some um, you know had some younger guys step up uh, into, into playing time. And um, so j- a defensive heavy class. And you know initial takeaways. Um, I mean that's about it until we see these guys. Uh, put on uh, some pads and and run some drills in spring ball. Um, I don't think we're going to know a whole lot more than that. But you know, of course, their tape's probably out there. Right, and we're still not going to know anything. I think after spring ball because you've got more kids that are going to come in, and yeah. spring ball you really don't get to see everything. Yeah, well, spring ball is a good foundation, and the fourth quarter program is a good foundation. Um, you know, Huff is huge on the fourth quarter program and just how impactful that is as far as you know, getting your bodies ready as far as conditioning goes to, to go through a whole season. But spring is going to go a long way. Um, look back to this time last year, going into last year's spring camp. Um, nobody knew what Cam Fancher was going to be capable of. No. And, um, you know, you kind of expected that he, you know, was going to utilize that spring ball uh, to his advantage. Of course, you had Columbia who had committed but wasn't going through spring drills because he was still enrolled at Texas Tech. Um, you know, that – experience in spring ball, I think, probably paid off for Fancher towards the end of the year. Um, were the numbers great? Maybe not as great as they could have been. But that experience surely had to help him ease into that. So I think that's going to be important. Um, you know, obviously Fancher's going to have uh, another chance at spring ball. Some some other young quarterbacks, uh, you know, have will have the opportunity to step up just like he did. And so I think, I think it'll be fun to watch and uh, just fun to watch this depth develop uh, as we start another year of football, which I can't believe we're already talking about because I feel mm-hmm. like we just stopped talking about it. Uh, but if, some might say football is not a year-round sport. There's always something happening. It's a year-round yeah. sport. It's, it might as well be. There's a 24-hour network for a few football. No, yeah, like 
Yeah, it's football. Yeah. 24-7. Yep. So Luke Creasy's with us. He's going to have more, of course, in uh, Herald Dispatch and across the HD media properties yep. on this. So there's an event coming up at 6 o'clock for uh, boosters, supporters, um, you know, it's um, it's an event. I don't think it's open to the public. I think you had the RSVP. It's, the it's a big green event. It's a big green event. So uh, you can't just walk up to this. We can, but you can't, <laughs> unfortunately. But this job it, comes with some perks. It, yeah, there are some perks, just a few, uh, completely. And of course, uh, Luke is um, as we coach alluded to. You know, someone had to step up in uh, Grant Trailer's <laughs> spot. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't think anybody was ready for that little subtle jab. No, I think Coach Huff just likes to poke fun. He yeah he does, and you know, and I'm glad that Grant's now the punching bag. Yeah. <laughs> who, who like of the media representatives? It's like a rotating punching bag. I, I feel like sometimes. Yeah, he's jabbed me a couple of times. He's uh, yeah. he's got you maybe a couple of times. Um, Tom Bragg needs to come around some more. Tom Bragg was a favorite punching yeah. bag. Uh, Cassidy Wood was, mm-hmm. a, uh, was a fun punching yeah. bag. For, we, we've uh, we've all we, we've all been the recipient of exactly, jab. and it's now it's, it's like a it's like a uh, not hazing, that's the wrong word. Um, um re- welcome to the NFL. Yeah, <laughs> welcome to Marshall University right, Media. Right. <laughs> uh, I know Morehouse has taken some uh, some beatings. Uh-huh. Uh, has Mark Martin taken any? Uh, I don't think so. I don't know. That's a good question there. We need to find out if uh, Mark Martin has taken any uh, of his um, playful banter. Yeah, I don't know. I have, I'm trying to think back now. Um, the only guy that took the playful banter and was able to come back and say, say I to- see, I told you so, was Woody Woodrum. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the only guy. I, I, I won't forget that, uh, that was, little one-liner. I was actually <laughs> sitting there. I'm, I'm, like, wanting to melt beside him. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. I don't know him. Yeah. I don't know him. And then afterwards, it's like, oh, this is my guy. See, he told you so. This is my guy yeah. here. <laughs> Completely. Um, by the way, if um, if you don't know, Woody's not been feeling well. He's been under the weather. So I hope he's listening tonight. And uh, a quick shout out to him. Hope he's doing well. So I just want to keep uh, him in our thoughts. Luke Creasy is with us, a good friend of mine. And the reigning and defending, well, can't defend, but the reigning <laughs> – Sports writer of the year. Joining a show with the sports caster of the year. Oh, yeah, that's me. It's hard to talk about that. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to humble brag. It's just like I can't really yeah. sit there and just gloss myself. Well, it, it would be like me writing a story about me winning it. Right. I, I can't do it. Yeah, I can't sit yeah. there and go, yeah, yeah, I'm the sports caster. But if year. I join the show, I can. You can do that, and I'll, I'll accept that completely. I'll give you a shout-out on your show. I appreciate that. Yep. Uh, Luke Creasy, he's got to go. Um, you got to go right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're 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 a couple hours away from deadline. Okay, but, you got uh, you got to go right. Yeah, but some fun stuff, you know. Looking forward to it, and of course, follow him on Twitter. He will have uh, every because he doesn't sleep. He will have everything you possibly need. <laughs> Seriously, I'm up at I'm up at seven something this morning because I gotta gotta go to the the garage. Yeah, uh, that's another story altogether. And I'm looking in you know, Twitter like, okay, what if I miss? Oh, look, there's Luke already. Yep. Yeah, already ready to go. He's ready to pounce on anything that I, happens. I, I don't know if I was ready to go at that point. Give you a little inside look into my life. Uh, so my wife's a teacher, so I'm up fairly early every single morning. Yeah. Uh, at, at least, you know, initially. Sometimes I go back to sleep. Sometimes when it's National Signing Day, and you, you roll over and you pick up your phone. Right. And, and while you're laying there in bed, you, you start tweeting some stuff. So 
But uh, there's been plenty of action on on the Twitterverse today. Obviously, um, some stuff coming out of Coach Huff's conference. Uh, defensive coordinator maybe coming next week. Oh yeah, maybe yeah, announced we, next week. We didn't talk about that. Yeah, definitely. If uh, if you missed uh, that earlier, we'll have it on the podcast later yeah. on. So uh, we could have a candidate uh, here yeah. soon, and it could be in house. It could be outside of the program. It's either in house or it's not. One of the two. Uh, I, I like how Coach narrowed it down when that question was asked. <laughs> Luke Cre- He's good about talking around stuff like that. <laughs> he is. Luke Creasy, my guest. We will talk to you soon. We are going to take a quick break, come back, wrap it up here at the Student Center. I'm Paul Swan. This is The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back. Final segment of today's edition of The Drive. It's going to be a quick one. Uh, Luke Creasy decided to stick around, which we appreciate that. Uh, we're going to be back at this uh, tomorrow for Marshall Basketball. Uh, Heard goes on the air at 6.30 with tip. We go on the air at 5.30, so just make it a full day. Come in at 5. We'll do half hour of the show, yeah. half hour of the pregame. Uh-huh. I'll try to talk Cornwell and the stick it around. Then we've got the Marshall pregame. We've got the Marshall game, then I'll come back with the post game. That's all coming up on. It's an important the, matchup. Oh, it's huge. Marshall and the bitter, vile, rabid, hated. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm trying to come up with some adjectives against. I'm trying to turn this into a basketball rivalry here, Marshall Knapp. Yeah. I mean, Woody could probably help with that. Oh, he definitely could help with that. Um, he, <laughs> Just started uh, calling him Appy. Well, Tony called him Appy State. Well, you know what Woody calls him? The goons from Boone. The goons from Boone. I don't know if you've heard that. So he. Call- I have not heard that. Yeah, he calls them the goons from Boone. Yeah. I guess because they threw something at him or somebody threw something, a trash can or something. He's got some. He's got some unfavorable memories of those times. What do I have to do to have him start calling me crazy greasy? Let me write it down. Crazy, <laughs> crazy. I can make that happen. That's not a problem. We, uh, we can make that happen completely here. Uh, yeah. Again, uh, he's been under the weather, so I'm hoping that he's listening and yeah. uh, we get him uh, get him well soon. Sure. Uh, I didn't realize how much I missed having a curmudgeon in my life until he was uh, not at a Marshall game. <laughs> yeah. He's a lovable yeah, curmudgeon. Everybody needs their curmudgeon. I've got mine. You have yours? I'm not going to call him out like that on air. But. Okay. I mean <laughs> – as long as it's not me. No, it's not, it's okay, not you. I, th- okay. I think you know who it is, though. Okay, I think I know who it is, too. Um, I, I, he was here today, or she was here, right? He, th- that person was here today. Sure. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. We'll leave it at that. Luke Creasy, and, of course, you can follow him uh, on Twitter and HD Media. He's going to have everything uh, for the next several weeks uh, that you possibly would want to know about uh, this signing class. Uh, I can't wait. About to any sport. Any Marshall. sport? All sports. Any sport, all sport. If it's heard, it's me. Okay. Tune in tomorrow for me. I'll have the first word on the herd. Luke will have the, the sportscaster of the year word on the herd. I like it. I like it. You can keep saying it because I'm not going to. Yeah, Like Jim Rome said, you can't gloss yourself. So I'm not glossing myself. I, I, you know, I try to live by those rules. Have a take, don't suck. It's a good rule to live by. Yeah, don't gloss yourself. Have yeah. a take, don't suck. For the uh, National Sports Media Association Sports Writer of the Year, Luke Creasy, I'm Paul Swan. Back in the studio, Christian Palmer. We appreciate him for this um, this trio's uh, combination. We are done. Back tomorrow here on ESPN 94.1 in AM 9:30.
WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington, your flagship home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. West Virginia Metro News, I'm Jarrett Lewis. A retaliation lawsuit against the state has resulted in a multi 